We're going to continue in our Kingdom Now series, and I, I normally don't do this, but I want you to, I, I don't, I don't try to, I'm not trying to be silly or anything like that, but I, I want to get your mind on something for a second. So if you'll oblige me for a second, I want you to close your eyes. Just close your eyes right where you're at. We're not going to pray. I'm not going to lead you in a prayer exercise. I just want you to close your eyes for a second. And I want you to imagine, I want you to get a picture locked in your head. I want you to lock a picture in your head of being in some woods. Not scary woods, just, just woods, just a wooded area. And it's dark. It's dark. It's night. Now, you know the woods. In fact, your family owns them. It's your family's land. But you've got a, a small group of people with you, and they've never been there before. It's dark. And in these woods, there are potholes. If they step in them, they're going to break their leg. There's some swampy areas. And I want you to open your eyes for a minute. Now imagine, imagine that you're in that setting, but the difference about you is you've got a headlamp. You ever had a headlamp? Best thing ever, right? Like imagine this, right? Look, look like if, if, that, if that, that's what a headlamp does. It lights up a lot of stuff, and I love headlamps. So if you were in that environment, woods that you kind of knew the way out of, and you had a group of people around you, that, but you were the only one with the lamp, you were the only one, well, you couldn't dream of not turning it on, right? I mean, you, you could find your way out of there, but if you're the only one with the light, well, gosh, you would even consider it, it people might even consider it cruel if you didn't turn on the light. If you know the way out, and you have a light, well, of course, you're, you're, you're going you're gonna to care too much about the people with you not to shine that light. In fact, I would go so far as to say that love refuses to withhold the light from those in the dark. Love refuses to hold or withhold the light from those that are in the dark. You know, Jesus called us the light of the world, didn't he? Do you remember that about Jesus? Sermon on the Mount, we are, he said, you are, you, not, 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 not just anybody, you, the people of God, the, the, the followers of Jesus, we are the light of the world. And so nobody could dream of withholding that light. People that love, if you love, then love refuses to withhold light from those that are in the dark. You're the light of the world. All of us have what I would call, I would call a circle of influence. We all have a circle of influence. We all have people that our lives touch. And some by differing degrees. Some of those are, you know, uh, people that are just casual acquaintances. Some people just live on our street. We wave at them when we go by. Some people we work, you know, three offices down. You don't really know that much about them. Some people you know really well. Some people you're just friends on social media and somewhat, you know, uh, attached. But, they're, but all of our life we have concentric circles of, of degrees of, of influence. And, and yet the, we know from what the scriptures tell us and we know from our own observations about life that the world is a confused place. And the people that are in your sphere of influence are confused. And confused people do confused things. I'll never forget, I, I had a, a professor many, many years ago in my, when I was in my uh, middle 20s, I had a professor named Roy Fish at, at Southwestern. And Dr. Fish always used to tell us, he, he would say, now, fellas, remember, don't get mad at people that don't know Jesus. You've got to expect lost people to act lost. 
And I used to, I've never forgotten that. People that walk in the dark, well, they bump into stuff, right? When you walk in the dark, you bump into things. But see, we have the light. We're the light of the world. And love, love refuses to withhold the light from those that are in the dark. Today, I want to talk to you about my role, your role, my role in a confused world. We have a world all around us that is confused, and I think there is a phenomenal example right here in Acts chapter 8. Let's go to Acts chapter 8. This is an encounter that Philip had with a man, an Ethiopian, an Ethiopian eunuch. And so Acts chapter 8, if if you're in the U version, I'm using the New American Standard. It's kind of toward the end of your Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then there's Acts. And we're going to pick it up in verse 26. So... The backstory is that Philip has been sent on a journey. And this is what it says in verse 26. It says, An angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Get up and go south to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. It's a desert road. So Philip got up and he went, and there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, who was queen of the Ethiopians. So this guy, so think of him like the Secretary of the Treasury. Okay? Think of, think of it kind of that way, Secretary of Treasury who was in charge of all her treasure, and he had come to Jerusalem to worship. And he was returning and sitting in his chariot. So he was going back home, but he was on the side of the road, literally on the side of the road, stopped in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. Now the Spirit, uh, the spirit said to Philip, go up and join this chariot. Now that's kind of an odd thing. Hey, Go, go talk to this fella that you don't know. For all of you introverts, you're literally dying a thousand deaths at this moment, right? It's the worst thing ever for you if you're introverts when God prompts you to do something, right? My, my wife sent me a text one time. Um, she can trend toward the, the introvert, and it, and it said, um, she said, see, I'm not weird. Uh, it, the, the, the T-shirt said, introverts, we came to your party. Now we'd like to go home, okay? Um, so, and it's true, right? So Philip, Philip gets stretched. I mean, he gets pushed here a little bit. And it says, go up to the chariot. So he does. And Philip ran up, and he heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. And he said, Philip says to the Ethiopian in verse 30, do you understand what you're reading? And the man said, well, how could I unless someone guides me? And Philip invited him to come up. And he invited Philip to come up. And sit down with him. Now, the passage of Scripture which the man was reading was from Isaiah, and it said, He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, as a lamb before its shearer is silent. Talking about Jesus. And he does not open his mouth. In humiliation, his judgment was taken away. Who will relate his generation? For his life is removed from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, Please tell me, of whom does this prophet say this? Is it of himself or of someone else? And then Philip opened his mouth, and he began from this scripture, and he preached Jesus to him. And the story continues that the man ended up being being baptized. So so here's the thing. you got to ask yourself, what's really going on right here? 
What, what's really going on? That, that's the question you have to ask. What's really going on? Now, I'm going to tell you, a lot of people, if you, re, if you were to ever read any deeper theological books, a lot of people are going to get hung up on this, on this eunuch. And they're going to spend all this time looking at the history of the eunuch and all the things about the temple. And let me, let me give you a, a really quick Bible study tool. No kidding. This is totally for free, not even going to charge you. Okay? This, this, let me give you a little tip for studying the Bible, especially when you get to stories like parables, uh, any type of narrative, any type of story where there's people. A, a, a set of drama going on there. Here's what I always do. I lay it down, I back up from it in my mind, and I say, okay, what's really going on here? Like, I mean, in the most simple terms, what's really going on here? And this is what's really going on here. You've got a guy who's confused, and you've got a man that knows the way home. You've got a guy who doesn't know. He says, I, I, how can I, I? I don't even know what I'm doing here. And, 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 uh, and there, don't you hear the frustration in, in verse 30, 30, uh, 31? He says, how could I understand unless somebody guides me? Now, what does a guide do? A guide has tools. A guide, literally sometimes actual tools. A guide has knowledge. A guide has experience. But most importantly, I've hired guides many times in my life. And I can tell you, here's what a guide does. A guide knows how to get you home. A guide knows how to get you back, right? Philip knew the way to the Father. I, I would say this, this picture right here is, is very symbolic. You ever had that happen to you? It's the worst. That's exactly what was happening to that Ethiopian man. Now, his chariot wasn't broken down, but he was on the side of the road, and he didn't know how to get home. You ever, you ever been there? I love what Philip says to him. Look, look at the exchange. Yeah, he's, do you understand what you're reading? And the guy says, well, how can I? How can I understand? A broken down car on the side of the road, it's the worst feeling. You, you are helpless. Philip knew the way home, and love would demand to shine the light when people are in the dark. This guy was confused. So there's something else going on in this story, too. And it's not just that Philip and the Ethiopian are talking to each other. God was doing something here. Because, see, it says the Spirit, the Spirit sent Philip to that man. So what does that tell us about the heart of God? That's the big question, right? I mean, if the Spirit prompted Philip to go, what does the, what does the Scripture tell us about right there? Well, I would say this about what it tells us about the heart of God in this passage. I would, tell, I would say that it tells us that God never created a person he didn't love. Tell you what, why would you say that, Jason? See, because the Ethiopian, this is a derogatory term, but many people in that day would have considered him a half-breed. There was racism going on there. He couldn't go all the way into the temple. He had restrictions on his life. He was also a Samaritan. Well, we know if you know anything at all, maybe you don't about the Bible, Samaritans were not well thought of. Let's just put it that way. They're not well thought of. So the fact that God would send one of his people to this man tells us all that God wants everyone to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. God never made a person he didn't love. And when you love somebody, you refuse to withhold the light from those that are in the dark. I tell you, there's something else about the heart of God here, though, too, for me. And that is that God will go to extremes to heal the broken. This guy was broken down, man. He was broken down emotionally, spiritually, frustrated. You can hear it in his voice. And God has sent several things into our lives to help us. 
God has given us many things to heal our broken hearts. One, he gave us creation as, as a sign of his love. God will go to extremes to get your attention. This is an extreme story. God will go to extremes. He, sent, he gave us creation. You know, the Bible says in Romans 1.20 that creation itself is enough to leave people without excuse, it says. Literally, without excuse. In other words, creation was God's first missionary. Creation itself was God's first missionary. That, that creation testifies to a God. But then the, 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 we know that even the Scripture says of itself that God gave us a word. He gave us a Scripture. A living testament of, of His heart for us and His boundaries for us and to keep us from bumping into things in the dark. God gave us His Son. God, he went to extremes. As if creation and the Word weren't enough, God gave us His Son. I love what Jesus or what John said about Jesus John said in, in John 1, 4, in him was life, and that life was the light of men. You see, love refuses to withhold the light from those in the dark. God sent his son. He sent his son, but even went farther beyond that. As if that weren't enough, he sent us. We are his witnesses. And that was the last word that Philip got, by the way, from Jesus. You shall be my witnesses. My tellers to the world. So what does that mean for us today? What was, what was Philip witnessing of? What was he telling stories of? What was, what was he shining the light about? He was a, a witness to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what does that gospel do? Well, the gospel frees people. See, when people are confused, you have to expect lost people to act lost. You have to expect confused people to bump into things. You have to expect people that are confused if they're walking through a dark world without a headlamp. Well, then you're going to have to expect people to bump into things because this is what happens in our society. People are searching. We are made to search and we're made to seek. And so if you don't know the truth, then what's going to happen is you're going to seek life in things that cause death. And people do it every day. You're going to seek life by things that can only cause death. Maybe you're going to seek life in a job, and man, you're just looking for the perfect job. And I can tell you at 46, I have a phenomenal job, and it ain't perfect. Right? I don't care where you work or what you do or how much money you make or how much you love your job. The bottom line is no job is perfect. Some people seek. They think, oh, if I could just get the right job, my life would be better. If I could just marry the right person, my life would be Better people, and then they get let down, and things go wrong. If, if that people seek, they seek life and answers in all sorts of things. They seek them in substances. They seek them in status. They seek them in image. People seek life from all sorts of things that really only cause death. And so we're the we're the witnesses to say no, 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 no. Philip was witnessing to something. He wasn't going to let this guy just stay alone. The gospel, you know what the gospel does? The gospel clears up confusion. In a dark world that cannot see, the gospel clears up confusion. This man said, I, I don't know. I don't even know what I'm looking for unless somebody guides me. And Philip knew the way home. I love what Jesus said about his own ministry. Look at what he said in Luke 4. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he anointed me to what? Preach the gospel to the poor. Now, now pay attention to this in Luke 4, 18. Look at what Jesus said about what the gospel does. The gospel, he has sent me to proclaim release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to free those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. The favorable year of the Lord. Jesus was sent into this world to preach the gospel. 
We are the light of the world. Much like that headlamp shining out into a dark world. We are that. So what is my role? What is my role in this world? That's the real question today, right? What's my role here? And, and how do I fulfill what God wants of me? Well, to, to kind of share with you, I think, paralleling with Philip and what Philip did to help this confused man. By the way, people are way more confused than they let on. You do know that, right? People are way more confused. The people with two offices down from you, the people on your street, the people that you work with or sit in the stands with, they're way more confused than they let on. So Jesus said something about us as witnesses and our role in a confused world. Jesus said this in John 4, Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look to the fields. They are white with harvest. Already he who reaps is receiving wages and is gathering fruit for eternal life so that he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. I want to tell you something. That verse literally many, many, many years ago set me free. It really did. Because for so long, I was the guy that was always wondering at times. I would go to these preacher conferences and they'd put people on the stage and these kind of people that they would put up here, what we call in Baptist life, soul winners. They're the kind of guy that, you know, flies on Delta. If he goes on an hour flight, whole plane gets saved, right? Well, that never happened to me. Like all these dudes that stood on the stage, they always had their stories. Yeah, I just, I just arrived 10 minutes ago and got on Southwest, led the stewardess to the Lord. Captain, too, sat right beside him in the captain's chair. I mean, they had all these stories. And I'm like, that stuff never happens to me. Right? But I mean, I, I mean, I, that just, but you know what those people are? They're reapers. But you know what the Lord impressed on me years ago? I was feeling down about this. And it dawned on me, I'm going to use good old southern grammar here. You can't reap what ain't been sowed. You can't. It's impossible to reap what hasn't been planted. So when I saw that Jesus, you know what Jesus did right there in John 4, 36? He validated the sower as much as the harvester. Some of you are, in fact, I would, let, me, let me break it down for you like this. Let's look at this, this phrase. Now, you've got three boxes right there. And in farming, it takes three people, or three processes, if you will, three processes. There's sowing, and there's harvesting, and then there's cultivating. That part in the middle where the, the seed's in the ground. And some of you are cultivators. Sometimes you plant, and then sometimes you harvest. And let me tell you, I think all of us have a role in all three of those. There's, there's times that we are witnesses and, and, it, and it really doesn't go anywhere. Maybe, you know, in fact, I would go so far as to say it this way to you. If, you, if you're a Christian in this room or if you're a Christian over there in the worship center, I, I guarantee you, you can look back over your Christian life and you can plant, account people that planted into your life. Maybe a teacher, a coach, a grandmother, a friend, maybe several of those kinds of people. And then one person comes along 
and it was a person at FCA camp, or maybe it was, it was a, a preacher one day that you really didn't even know, but all the prayers that your grandmother had prayed, or all the times that your Sunday school teacher had taught you things way back at that church, at that little community that you grew up in, and now you're in college, or now you're in the workforce, and finally, all of that planting was harvested in moments. But there's a cultivation phase Sometimes we're cultivators. One of my best friends in the world is a, is a commercial farmer, a large operation in Arkansas. And I asked Mr. Whitmore one time about this. I said, the cultivation stage is pretty hard. He said, it's brutal. He said, because the moment you put that, he's a row crop farmer. And he said, once you put the seed in the ground, everything in the world's trying to kill it. Too much moisture, not enough moisture. Insects, army worms, and then if it makes it up out of the dirt, then you got everything from animals, deer, all kinds of different weather patterns. Everything's coming after that seed. So you look at a farmer, and they're cultivating. Between the time they plant and the time they harvest, they're working that crop. Sometimes you're a planter with the gospel, and that's just as far as it's going to go that day. Sometimes you're a harvester. And you need to harvest. You know what? I'm firmly convinced, friends, that more people would come to Jesus if we would ask them to. If you would, if you would ask them, do you, do you know Jesus? Do you want your sins forgiven? I have never met a person that said, I do not want my sins forgiven ever. No, we all have shame inside. And love, love refuses to withhold the light from those in the dark. Sometimes we harvest, sometimes we plant, sometimes we sow. But I will tell you one thing a farmer never does. Never, ever, ever. A farmer never, ever, ever sits at home. A farmer never just sits at home going, sure would be good if beans came up. I would love to see a crop of rice out in my field. Boy, I hope that happens. That'd be glory to God. Praise Jesus. No, we'd call that man stupid, wouldn't we? At the co-op, they call him more names than that. <laughs> I can promise you. No. The one thing a farmer refuses to do is not do his job. Not a good one. Jesus said, you'll be my witnesses. You know, Philip was on a journey, and that was the last word he heard from Jesus. You shall be my witnesses. Witnesses to what? Witnesses to the fact that your sins can be forgiven. Friends, listen to me. Many of you need to go on a journey. You do. Philip, don't, don't miss this in the story. It says in verse 26 that an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip and said, Get up. Get up. Where do you need to get up? Is it an uncle? Is it an aunt? Where do you need to get up? You know, we have the light. And love, love refuses to withhold the light from those in the dark. We have the light. Where do you need to go on a journey? Let me tell you, for some of you, it is time to go on the journey on your street. For some of you, there's, a, there's people in your workplace. There's people that you play golf with. It is time that you Share the light. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. And we have from that moment until, from this moment until then, whenever that might be, we have from this moment until then, 
to be witnesses in love. Well, love refuses to withhold the light from those that are in the dark. Let's pray. With your eyes closed for just a minute. I want you to listen to me really clearly. Some of you over there in the worship center this morning, you may have came in the room, you came in the room this morning and and you realized you're more confused than you thought. Maybe you're like the Ethiopian, maybe somebody here in the chapel, maybe you're like the Ethiopian and and you've, you've been around the scriptures but you don't know the author. Today is the day you could end confusion, friend. So which part of the story are you? Which part of the story are you? Have you been around the church but never in Christ? Do you know what it means to be in Christ? Do you know what it means to have your sins forgiven? Because if you don't, your sins aren't forgiven. Today... You can go up to one of us at the end of this service and we will talk to you about what it means to have your sins forgiven. And we want you to do that when this service is over. And I want to say a word to you that are believers with your eyes closed. We're going to pray now. And I'm going to ask you, where is it? Where is it that you need to plant openly? Philip opened his mouth and he preached Jesus. Your circle of influence is strong and it is time for you to get up. It will not change in that person's life until you do. Father God, we come to you this morning and we ask you to let us not be deceived Let us not be deceived, God, to think that somewhere, somebody, somehow, someway, surely they somewhere will do something. God, let us take into our heart your word of love. Oh, God, and I pray for for me, I pray for myself, I, I pray for all of us that in those moments where we have a chance to sow or to cultivate or even to harvest, God, that we would do it. That we would do it. We cannot take anything with us, Lord. We know from this earth. So let us do all that we can now to be your witnesses to the broken. Let us love that much. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.